Welcome to Michael and Us. I'm Will Sloan here as always with Luke Savage. Hey guys. I don't know about you. I haven't really been following the Russia story as much as I uh, feel that I ought to be following it. It seems like one of those things where, you know, every three weeks it flares up again and everyone on Twitter is saying, oh, he's definitely going to get impeached now. But yeah. it never, you know. Well, it's very hard to parse, right? Because yeah. it's a story where you know, several of the major, uh, well, one in particular TV news uh, network in the States, MSNBC, is basically running with this as kind of their, you know, favored narrative about the election. And that, and it, you know, lots of people are, are very invested in the story. But there's been a lot of, there have been a lot of, like, false flags and, like, bad reporting on the story. But then also there's obviously something there, mm-hmm. uh, something. But, uh, well, the Donald Trump Jr. thing is really funny. He had a meeting mm-hmm. with the Russians. And well, and, and then that he tweeted out the entire email chain. Yeah. And then, uh, did you see yeah. that reporter from the New York Times had, like, a meltdown? I know, that became that became a meme. Yeah. He, he said something like, uh, I reported <laughs> on this for a year. And, and then, he just... He just tweeted it. And then yeah. I saw Trump's tweet, which was basically like, listen, Don Jr. is a great kid. He said he's, a, he's a high quality person. <laughs> high quality person. And, Any, and he, anyone would have met with the Russians. He, he said he, he called his son a young man, which is great. He's like a he you know, he's a good young man. He's like 43 years old. I mean, the reason why I haven't paid much attention to it since February, basically, is mm-hmm. because I'm tired of, you know, there being this big explosion of, oh, this is it. This is going to sink him. And then it doesn't sink him. Yeah. Because it all, it's not going to sink. I don't know why they want it to sink him. Why not just have this dog him for the rest he hasn't of his passed presidency? It. He hasn't passed a, a single major piece of legislation. Yeah. I mean, if, if he does get impeached over this, then you have to start at- attacking the Republicans on some what if, other way. What if, what if there's a, and what if, uh, like, Mike Pence steps in and, and he's actually capable of of like running the you know gop house and senate caucuses with like you know 30 percent more efficiency and then they start actually getting legislation through like trump is just a bumbling idiot who doesn't even spends all his day watching like tv watching fox news and then tweeting about it well the whole theme of the resistance is russia 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 Mm. once you lose that what do you have left then you have to rebuild you have to then you have to critique him ideologically and that would and they're not up to that so why why would you want the russia stuff to go away (laughs) anyway uh, the real reason uh why it's a bit heavy to start well listen the real reason why i haven't been following the russia stuff as much as i should is because you know, there's a prominent public figure who believes in closer relations between the two nations. Mm. A prominent public citizen who, in fact, Vladimir Putin himself once proposed uh, to Barack Obama be the honorary consul to Russia. Wow. Um, who and, is this titan? Uh, his name is the Aikido ace, Steven Seagal. <laughs> uh, tonight we watched uh, a movie called Code of Honor, which is... Uh, a film from 2016, one of, I think, seven or eight movies that he released in 2016. Mm-hmm. I suggested that we watch it because I'd seen it before on Netflix. I remembered it as being like, oh, this is the Seagal movie of the Trump era. This is going to be What super year did it fun. come out? Last year, 2016. Just, okay, it's, yeah. it's that recent, eh? God, you wouldn't know. It, yeah, uh, and I gotta say, having now watched it, I'm not entirely sure I made the right suggestion. It was a, yeah. it was, it it was was, a slog. I felt... Uh, I think years have been taken off my life. He's using this rooftop as a staging ground. 
You need a small army to take out these two gangs. I'm thinking several guys with machine guns, a couple of knife men in the alley, bomber to take out the Mercedes. Tell me, how many guys? Just one. His name is Colonel Robert Sykes. He's a commander of one of Special Forces' most elite units. He's using those skills to go after gangs or drug dealers. Would you give your life to save the world if nobody knew you did it? I took an oath to defend against all enemies. I still love my country. I still love my family. And I'm still an honorable man. But I've really enjoyed Steven Seagal lately because he's become like this minor player in international politics. He's visited Russia. Mm. He's taken part in these like state, you know, events. Like he's gone around looking at their livestock and their fruit. And Mm -hmm. there's this really funny clip on YouTube of him dancing, doing a traditional Russian dance. Oh, man. Uh, and and Putin has perhaps actually seen one or two Steven Seagal films. Well, you speculated. Uh, there's an article here from the Guardian called "Putin Proposed Steven Seagal as Russian Envoy to the U.S." where it says the pair apparently bonded over their mutual love of martial arts. Though Putin has not come out as an admirer of Seagal's <laughs> film oeuvre, and then it quotes Dmitry Peskov the Russian president's spokesman who said, I wouldn't necessarily say he's a huge fan, but he's definitely seen some of his movies. <laughs> and uh, What an honor. But uh, Seagal, he's called him uh, one of the greatest world leaders, and he said that Russia's approach to the crisis in Ukraine was, quote, very reasonable, and, and And Seagal likes Trump, right? He's, he's, he is tweeted pro-Trump stuff. Is that not correct? Yeah, during the election, he stopped short of endorsing him exactly, but he he basically said that he doesn't like Hillary and that the status quo can't continue. He was very active on Twitter for a few months. And you got into a little exchange with him. Oh, yeah, I, I should probably pull that up. Yeah, so um, in September, he was doing on Twitter a Q&A with his fans, and I asked him, where do you stand on social issues such as transgender rights? And he tweeted at me, Steven Seagal tweeted at me, people are people and have inherent rights, not equal, but separate, just equal rights. <sighs> so I don't know what that means. And in fact, this tweet has since been deleted, but I have a screenshot of wow. it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, but not sure of the political theory, uh, theory being advanced, or it sounds vaguely Hobbesian, but I'm not, I'm not <laughs> sure. But Seagal, the morning after the election, he tweeted, congratulations, President Donald Trump, we can, we will make America great again. And right. I had to unfollow him after that. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. a little too much. Irony um, has its limits. <laughs> yeah. But he became an honorary Russian citizen that same month. And he's in fact <laughs> banned from the Ukraine now. So uh, Steven Seagal, what can I tell you? Wow, international man of mystery. So, uh, do you have a relationship with Steven Seagal at all? Just through you. Um, okay. I think I think I probably heard about him from you, and we've occasionally indulged in a few of his movies. Uh, For we, years. We watched we've Lawman. Been, we've been, like, occasionally watching Seagal Right, movies, we watched so. his, his terrible reality show, Lawman. Lately, like, Seagal has become, like, kind of a 
maybe it's because of the easy accessibility of his movies on Netflix, but I hear much more talk about Steven Seagal these days. Yeah. Like he, he gets brought up on the Chapo Trap House podcast a lot. Yeah. He's instance. part of that whole kind of Brooklyn universe. People like are wearing irony hipster yeah, stuff. Yeah. Uh, I've been, I would say a casual fan for most of my life. Mm. And I've become a much bigger fan. Yeah, you have the Seagology book. Yeah. By Vern, which is a great book. Mm. I love Seagal because he has a funny origin story. You know, most people who become action stars kind of work their way up. They start mm. as stuntmen or they start as bit part actors and then they, they work their way up. But Steven Seagal was a guy who, you know, according to him, you know, he's probably full of shit. But according to him, he was like the only white guy who had uh, an Aikido school in Japan. Right. And then he came back to Hollywood and he became the martial arts instructor to the stars. Mm-hmm. He taught martial arts to Sean Connery on the set of Never Say Never Again and apparently broke his wrist. And you know he did that on purpose. Right. Had to have. <laughs> but then he had this... He broke Sean Connery's wrist. Yes. Um, but, <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, he was the martial arts instructor to a super agent named Mike Ovitz. Mm-hmm. And according to legend, Mike Ovitz said, I can make anybody a star. Right. So it was and a bad... I'm going to make this guy a star. Wow. And so Steven Seagal's first movie is Above the Law. Mm-hmm. And it's a Steven Seagal movie. Mm-hmm. But the problem is when you make you know your local shitty dojo a movie star he mm-hmm. can't sustain it no you know the ego got in the way uh, he had mob connections well i feel like steven seagal i mean th- this is more like a documentary about his life right these movies like th- he's building on his own experiences that's really who uh he is i think well above the law <laughs> actually opens with like photos of young Steven Seagal and him narrating it saying you know and then then I taught in uh, Aikido in Japan and (laughs) I served in the CIA oh that's another thing about Steven Seagal (laughs) he hints that he served in the CIA and this is what I mean clearly when you see all the skills he has in his movies like it's obvious that (laughs) well he had to learn that from somewhere and it only could have been some kind of like elite military training well the official policy of the CIA is they can't say whether or not anybody had any affiliation with them if they're undercover so when they've been asked they just say no comment so technically they can't deny it (laughs) so seagal has been coasting on that loophole but you know he was already i think 36 or 37 when he made his first movie and yeah he got complacent Mm -hmm. i think it's fair to say and he's been making these like what five to ten sort of low rent movies a year now for yeah like a decade many of which he's straight straight to date straight to dvd um this one was actually on netflix surprisingly enough so what's this movie code of honor about i would describe it as um sort of low rent batman meets low rent fight club you know okay i mean don't reveal the twist yeah i won't you're you're gonna have to do the kind of macro commentary (laughs) i will describe what the experience of watching the movie is like um and i think that's more appropriate given kind of what a I don't know, a kind of uh, sensual and textured movie it is, <laughs> you know, uh, there are a lot of nuances. So you kind of just have to describe how it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it's a series. Maybe of... feel enraged about <laughs> the way my country is right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's basically a series of vignettes where like, Steven Seagal plays some stupid like vigilante. who's like an ex-special forces guy. There are places in this country where people can't go without fear of being robbed, mugged, murdered. We don't accept that in other countries. Why should we accept that here? Over a dozen gang members are dead in what can only be described as a massacre. 
I want to know who did this. And he doesn't think the Constitution goes far enough in protecting the average, you know, hardworking schmo from, uh, the, I don't know, the, the the scourges of our society, be they drugs or what, like whatever. The things, the things Crime attacking, and, yeah. I think, America's moral fabric, mm -hmm. as someone said. So it's just a series of, of vignettes where he there's some bad thing happening, like a drug deal going down. And Seagal just kind of perches on a, you know, on a, like a high rooftop with advanced re weaponry and just like brutally kills everyone involved and then moves on to the next scene. And I don't know, there's some vague plot where the police are sort of after him and it's very... <laughs> Very labyrinthy. There are so many characters in the movie, like and yet it's not a real, enough. Somehow. It's a real, it's a real war and peace in terms <laughs> of the number of characters. Steven Seagal plays a character called Colonel Robert Sykes, um, and he's being followed by this guy played by an actor named Craig Sheffer, who is, I guess, kind of a washed-up actor. I didn't know about him, but he's been in stuff. Um, right. Well, you thought he might be a former MMA fighter, like one of those well, guys. Well, so many of these movies have, like, Seagal yeah. and a younger guy mm -hmm. uh, who, who can actually do the fighting. But this right. guy, this guy, I don't know, this guy has a bit of a, like, Frank D'Angelo look to him. Yeah, I thought so. Every Seagal movie will always have a scene where a guy comes in and says, you don't know what you're dealing with. This guy, he's ex-special forces he's an expert in uh explosives in weaponry and in, in this and that and you just got on his bad side or <laughs> something like that right he's the best there is and oh and this in this one he says like he picks his targets for maximum if, if yeah <laughs> so so seagal is barely in this movie you referred to him in the first scene you said seagal's more of a kind of structuring presence or in a this structuring movie. absence structure right a structuring absence yeah uh to use kind of Foucauldian terminology he's kind of the like he's like the shark in jaws but he, he looms large over the film and i think like i think you have to admit that when he's on screen you can't take your eyes off him <laughs> This this There's man a <laughs> with a, with a frightening haircut and this donut goatee. When he's always wearing, no matter what the situation he's in, he's always wearing like like battle level armor. Like he's he's just like a a walking tank and a do rag over mm -hmm. his head. Yeah, and and tinted mm -hmm. glasses. That's right. Um, and Craig Sheffer at one point says he's been trained to blend seamlessly into any town, which is <laughs> the funniest thing. I was pretty amused by the the town in the movie. <laughs> um, it was filmed, I guess, somewhere in Utah. It really just a kind of, um, I don't know, a sort of Midwestern town, like a very small one, probably 25,000 people that in the movie is kind of cosplaying as New York or like Gotham or something. At one point, somebody says referring to the mayor well he's only the mayor of one of the world's largest cities that's right yeah and it, it just looks like and, and when you see city hall it looks like you know the city hall in like the rural ontario towns that i grew up near. <laughs> like that's the <laughs> and there's this dreamlike quality i know that term is overused but there's this dreamlike quality to the film where there's not enough ambient sound in it there aren't enough people on the streets. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. So the it looks the whole place looks like Dawson City after the gold rush. Like there's just <laughs> nobody present anywhere. It feels like uh, the kind of eight or nine like sort of civic officials you see are the town, and they're the most flavorless streets. There mm. are no visible stores. There no, are, there are no kind of brand names. Anywhere. There's no cultural life. There's no pe there are no people. There's yeah. no nothing. Yeah. There's no economy. <laughs> it's just it's just this kind of weird like post industrial hellscape. They have three police officers mm -hmm. and they have one reporter that's right i this is the real reason i wanted to do this movie because like last man standing the last one we did this is 
part of this genre of conservative entertainment where it's just an enumeration of conservative grievances. Mm. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's kind of, uh, I guess, it works on a much smaller scale, smaller scale, sort of parallel to Hollywood, and it has since, what, the 60s or 70s, this type of cinema. Well, I think... You, you've made the point about a couple really, really bad sort of 70s and 80s movies, and well, how there's this yeah. kind of Nixon silent majority cinema you described it as. Yeah, I mean, I, they're, they're not all bad, but what, like when I think of the 1970s cinema, and, and maybe you do too, I think of, you know, Taxi Driver, right. The Godfather. Right. The great sort of wave of like the new Hollywood auteur. But, there, but there's also Walking Tall and there's right. also... Right. A lot of people will have no idea what we're talking about. I, I have actually seen that one, bizarrely enough. Ah, great but, film. But, um, <laughs> perhaps you disagree. Uh, uh, sort but, of does have a similar premise. They're all about like the lone man going yeah, in and like or there's cleaning the, the town of all the uh, yeah, there's, debasement. There's Billy Jack, which has a bit more of a which has a, a weird lefty streak to it as well. Interesting. Um, it has a bit of a hippie quality to it. Um, and, and then there's, of course, Dirty Harry, which is probably the best of them all. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just weird that this is a genre that was that was happening parallel to and not quite... Oh, and Death Wish, of course. Of course who, yeah. who could forget Death yeah. Wish? The influence of Death Wish looms heavily over Code <laughs> of Honor. Uh, it's, ba- it's like it's basically the same plot. Right. So let's go over some of the issues that the movie thinks are plaguing America. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess in the most general terms, like the cultural outlook of the film is just that there's, you know, there's something called society and then there's, you know, these kind of pockets of, you know, cultural debasement that breed, you know, crime and drugs and whatever. And there's no kind of wider like structural, there's no wider sense that like these are part of any kind of structure. It's just there are these characters in society who are just inherently bad and we have to... They're pockets, but they, but that's, they threaten that is, to outbreak and contaminate that's right. the and rest like, of society. And that, I think that that is kind of the, the deep structure epistemology of sort of cultural conservatism is kind of that. Like it's this resistance to thinking about structure like it's that's the that's the idea underlying every like stupid article from the federalist or whatever or these like really dumb like low-rent conservative films there's this scene where seagal and craig Sheffer have an encounter in a bar right one of the only like three occasions in the movie where seagal actually has any lines yeah and it's it's kind of a socratic dialogue (laughs) where Sheffer says to him you know uh what what makes you judge jury and executioner and all that and Seagal lays out the idea that you know it's not, it's not a perfect world, and and I right. and uh, who's going to stick out for the little guy? Yeah, when the Constitution doesn't protect us, who's gonna who's gonna defend people? Just like old Tom, Tom, me saving your life. You and I took an oath to defend our country against all enemies. Somebody has to start somehow, trying to make a difference. I'm the bad guy, what does that make you? There's right and wrong, and the laws are meant to serve us. Truth is subjective. Truth is absolute. People are subjective. I'll make this easy. My finger goes off this detonator. Everybody gonna die. So basically, it comes down to this idea that, you know, we have the Constitution, but, you know, in certain extreme cases, you got to get out there and just, you know, kill the people. Just kick some ass. And then, yeah. you'll, and then you'll bring those pockets down back to size, yeah. and then it'll be okay again. And so uh, in this movie, that includes, like, assassinating the mayor because he's having an affair as well, which I like. This... Which seems which seems overkill, I have to say. Well, I don't know. It's I mean, I wasn't clear the scale of the mayor's mandate because he, because we, we when we saw him addressing sort of the, the city press corps, there were, like, three people standing in front of City Hall. But... Well, so... The town in in this movie, and by the way, I think 
we didn't get enough of a sense of the town. I think it would be so much better if we just the town had now <coughs> never had their personality or yeah. color like, and that extends to the movie as a whole. Like it was just everything was so gray and dead, and it never <laughs> succeeded. Despite having all these action sequences and shootouts, it never succeeded in ascending to like even like a, a single kind of decibel of energy or noise. It was so, mm-hmm. and and it was just kind of we were serenaded the whole time by like basically a drum machine with just some really crappy like guitar distortion like the and music not, not was very terrible loud, no not very not driving the action no. just sort of ambient yeah this ambient heartbeat droning behind the film is your... I, I think we're to believe that this is a city where you know there are good people in this city but the pockets of degradation have expanded just too much and they've infected kind of all levels of city life yeah so it opens with Seagal wiping out two gangs right uh and then who are who are combined like in terms of their numbers larger than the rest of the population of the town combined they so. are what 10 <laughs> there's people? 10 of them yeah uh, so they're basically a, an army later he goes to well a... and the film actually sorry to interrupt you but they're the, they're they're described by the newscaster in the film as like two of the city's biggest and most dangerous gangs and like combined there's maybe 10 of them and <laughs> uh and this is supposed to be the biggest city in america <laughs> and <he's... laughs> do you remember the scene when craig sheffer is investigating the crime scene and he finds seagull's cigar butt and he said huh you started smoking cigars and i thought you were perfect right right well in in uh in every scene like that seagull's not in or almost every scene it's just people talking about him and talking about like you don't know who you're dealing with like this yeah. guy this guy is has undergone like 70 elite missions and he has like you know this he never is, fails. This is what I love about this era of Seagal, because it's kind of like, <laughs> it's as if Seagal won the Make-A-Wish campaign. Yeah, and he or, just got to make low-rent movies or it's like starring he, him. He's Bat-Kid, and, and the whole world has to... <laughs> has to just bend his... <laughs> and pretend that he's so cool. <laughs> I'm sorry, I think you were ma- in the middle of making a point. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, okay, so, <laughs> so the degradation of America... There's just so much to think about here. <laughs> like... It's infected, you know, the street level crime, but it's also infected the government because the mayor is immoral. He's having an affair. Yeah. He's cheating on his wife. Mm -hmm. It's infected the media. Mm -hmm. The the one reporter we see is this, you know, slimy fake news media who there's the scene where he's recording these, you know, two crackheads who have got stabbed. And he says something like, oh, beautifully gratuitous. This is going to win me my next Emmy. So, you know, it's that like, typical conservative right. fake news right it, that reminds that reminds me I, I once uh, when i was a reporter in rural ontario i once right that's will's background if you don't yeah know. we I, might have talked about I, uh, that background it Longtime fans of the show will, I'm sure, know from our very first episode, Slacker Uprising, uh, all those years ago uh, that you had a background in kind of rural... Uh... I, I spent two years uh, writing for a community newspaper in Woolwich, Ontario, and I remember one time I interviewed um, two old ladies who ran the Woolwich Children's Garden Club, and then as I was on my way out the door, one of them said, um, now I know you're uh, in the media, and... Uh, the media often likes to spin things. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we can trust you. And I was thinking, do they think I'm going to write a sensationalized hatchet piece about the Woolwich Garden Club? Uh, it would be so funny. It's so funny picturing you as like one of those like 
uh, I don't know, what do you call them? Like gumshoe reporters who's always trying to get the scoop. <laughs> and and every every scene ends with you running to like a like a mobile phone and just talking really yeah, fast. Yeah, a little pencil over my yeah. ear. And I, <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, there's the media. There's just the movie. Oh, well, there's one scene where Seagal is shooting some kind of like street level pimps and drug dealers. Yeah. And we see a woman who's addicted to drugs who's trying to get some and she says oh i'll suck your dick mm-hmm. um and seagal shoots the drug dealer mm-hmm. but he doesn't shoot the girl and in fact he he doesn't he waits to blow up the strip club after the strippers have gone out because he's a protector of women Ugh. he shoots everybody and like we have no idea there's like five people sitting there and it's unclear like what the others are just like asleep <laughs> like he just yeah. shoots them but he doesn't shoot the women no because they're victims yeah that is kind of like typical conservative like yeah, morality it, it, yeah you know it's like the the abortion doctor is the evil one but the but the woman right. getting the abortion is a victim right, right. what's the the I oh there was a part twist right there, there was a sort of uh yeah they went i mean seagal is i guess a very avant-garde filmmaker and he uh ever, ever made the film was, yeah that's avant-garde and, and uh and so there were two like there was like a twist on top of it like move over m night Shyamalan. there was like a moment where it seemed like seagal and i've already forgotten the other guy's name the the fbi uh, cop craig sheffer yeah it looks like he the, the the cop was just seagal the whole time and this is this is the only part of the movie that got me excited for like a minute <laughs> before there was a second twist which i don't think i'm capable of actually explaining because it's so convoluted but it turns out it was like what Seagal was actually framing him. Yes. Seagal was framing him so that the police th- mm. would think that he was Seagal the whole time. Because I thought and that the, was a huge disappointment. When the twist happened, I thought it's going to be like Seagal actually never existed or something. And that would have been great. And that would have been That would have single-handedly saved, saved the movie. the whole movie, yeah. I guess the last thing that fasc- fascinates me about Seagal is how his politics have evolved over the course of his career. Because he did a sort of a, like a pro-eco film at one point, right? Yeah, he, On Deadly Ground ends, this is the only film he's directed so far. Uh, <laughs> yeah, never say never, Will. <laughs> yeah. Don't rule the man out. Uh, but it ends with a five-minute speech like The Great Dictator, where he <laughs> talks about, you know, how corporations are polluting the atmosphere and we need to stand up to the corporations. Wow. And... How many oil spills can we endure? Millions and millions of gallons of oil are now destroying the ocean and the many forms of life it supports. Among these is plankton, which supplies 60 to 90% of the Earth's oxygen. It supports the entire marine ecosystem, which forms the basis of our planet's food supply. But the plankton is dying. I thought, well, let's go to some remote state or country, anywhere on Earth. But in doing a little research, I realized that these people broker toxic waste all over the world. They basically control the legislation, and in fact, they control the law. The law says no company can be fined over $25,000 a day. If a company is making $10 million a day by dumping lethal toxic waste into the ocean, it's only good business to continue doing this. They influence the media so that they can control our minds. They've made it a crime to speak out for ourselves, and if we do so, we're called conspiracy nuts and we're laughed at. We're angry because we're all being chemically and genetically damaged. And we don't even realize it. Unfortunately, this will affect our children. We go to work each day and right under our noses we see our car and the car in front of us spewing noxious and poisonous gases that are all accumulative poisons. These poisons kill us slowly, even when we see no effect. He's generally been against the CIA. He, he... His politics is that, is that you know, uh, I just think of that Kid Rock tweet where 
it was like, hey, authority, and then he's just giving it the middle finger. <laughs> like, he used to be sort of, like, vaguely left-ish. You think? I don't know, environmentalism, right, right. you know, against... Anti-corporate. Kind of, against government overreach, mm-hmm. uh, or, or like, kind of, like, shadowy FBI, right, CIA deep state stuff. stuff. Yeah. But he, he's definitely kind of got more right-wing mm-hmm. over the years, to say the least. Mm-hmm. And I think I noticed this trend around the time of Steven Seagal, Lawman. Right. We've watched, watched a lot of episodes. Yeah, of we have. Yeah. What, what do you think of it? Well, th- that's like the, I mean, I think it, it, in keeping with our analysis of kind of his like, uh, what code of honor, that's what it's called. Code right? of honor, yeah. Um, you know, it's like the same kind of conservative uh, cultural morality, but like just in the context of a of an extremely down market like reality show where he... You know, it begins where he has, I guess we can like drop it in, but he has, you know, the monologue about like how he's, you know, he's been a movie star for many years, but uh, he's, uh, you know, he's also been a volunteer sheriff's deputy. I make a living in the movies, but for the past 20 years, I've also been a cop. And along with some of the finest deputies on the force, I serve the people of Jefferson Parish, Louisiana. My name is Steven Seagal. That's right, Steven Seagal, deputy sheriff. Yeah. But he is the like honorary sheriff of Jefferson Parish, <laughs> Louisiana. Yeah. I think it is, which basically means he can't hold a gun. Yeah, uh, he can't. He make can arrests. do. He can do ride-alongs. Yeah, and he can have a ca- small camera crew, like film him. I there, I can't believe that's legal. Well, the reason that he was. Like even allowed. Like why is it legal to film that? I don't know. The, 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 That's the, crazy to me. The, well, the only the reason he was allowed to be a sheriff is be, is just for like goodwill in the community. Right. Like he can go out with the police because he's and, a local know, celebrity. Because he's a celebrity, yeah. And I guess he can bring a camera because you know a lot of the people being arrested are excited to be on TV with Steven Seagal, so they'll sign the release form. Yeah. Every episode had this like amazing structure where half the episode would be Seagal doing good work in the community, like leading uh, he's at a dojo yeah like leading aikido sessions for children yeah uh this is like visits a hospital yeah but like, the, good good works but then the other half is him at night patrolling looking for the bad guys him patrolling low-income neighborhoods and just sort of and i guess you never see him actually do anything but he's always he's always there in his film to look very much at the center of the action they figure out a lot of like creative ways to film him so the car will be moving and you'll see a shadowy figure and then it'll cut to Seagal and it'll all go black and white, mm-hmm. like Seagal vision. Right. Uh, so he can't hold a gun. He can't make a rest, but he can see from the passenger seat what's happening. And then you'll see him like trying to run to the scene. And then every scene will end with him being like, well, uh, looks like uh, we made a couple of arrests here. Um, some some guys, some guys <laughs> seem like he got a crack pop and... Um, <laughs> I know, man, it's bad news. <laughs> and that's every episode. And every episode, we find out at the end of the episode that uh, the person got a suspended sentence or the charges were dropped right. because of some misconduct. Right. Which just goes to show you that... Well, you that's know, probably why they're allowed to include it. Do you think so? I think there's pro- that's probably it. Because yeah. I bet you they get I bet you they get permission from the people who haven't been found guilty of a crime. So it's like, hey, we'll give you like, you know, $10,000 if you let us... The, I bet you that's what yeah. it is. Yeah. And it supports the show's agenda that police don't have enough powers to put these that's bad right. guys behind bars. That's right. I also like that the show, all these people are good people when they're at his uh, kung fu camp, but if if they're caught with 
uh, a bag of pot. Of, like, marijuana, yeah. Then, then they're one of the bad guys, yeah. and they have to go to jail, and there's right. no in-between. Right. The show lasted three seasons, but it actually... Uh, was canceled not because of low ratings but because Seagal was caught in a scandal where he was sued for having sex slaves allegedly what yeah uh oh man uh, and i think it was settled out of court but oh my god that's awful but the police force um decided they didn't want to be associated with that so so he was fired yeah or he, they, or, well not the, fired or they, they no longer agreed to be part of the show that's appalling yeah never in my life did i ever believe that our country would be taken over by people like the people who are running it at this day. And uh, I think that um, when we have a leadership that thinks that the Constitution of the United States of America is a joke, when we have a president who has almost a thousand executive orders now, when we have a Department of Justice that thinks that any kind of a uh, judicial system that they make up as they're going along can get by with whatever they decide that they want to do. Like Ted Nugent said, you know, the Fast and the Furious. What's happened with the Fast and the Furious? What's happened with the truth about any of some of the greatest scandals in American history? that have happened right before our eyes. Yeah, I'll have some uh, stuff coming up, uh, possibly for The Baffler, uh, so keep an eye on that. Um, uh, not writing something else, and uh, some probably some new writing in uh, Current Affairs. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's I haven't really... I've just been sort of blogging the last little while. I've, I don't know, I wrote a lot between sort of January and... February. Well, we should talk about uh, we should talk about your piece that uh, your Bollywood piece. In oh, Toronto. well, I just wrote. A you piece. should plug that. Yeah, sure. I just wrote a piece for the. Toronto I haven't read list. it yet, but it's uh, it sounds very interesting. That you retweeted it, mm -hmm. which was all that really matters, frankly. <laughs> uh, I, I don't care so much about you, but Might me actually about reading your, your twenty thousand followers with the rose rose emojis in their names. <laughs> That's what I want. No, it's it's a short piece about one of my favorite movie theaters in Toronto, which is uh, the Albion Cinema which is in North Etobicoke, uh, home of Rob Ford, and right. that plays only Bollywood movies. Right, and, and you've been visiting it for some time. Just, yeah, kind of like occasionally for the last 10 years, mm -hmm. you know, two or three times a year probably. And it's it's a very kind of authentic place, you said. Like, it's really a, it's only, a rich experience. It's only Bollywood movies or Indian movies. Mm. Uh, there are some regional films. It's not just mm. uh, Mumbai. Um, and... You know, I'm always the only white person there. Well, I've I've uh, only seen a handful of Bollywood films in my life. Uh, you know, which which I mean, how many have you seen, and you, do you enjoy them? I've probably seen I don't know forty or fifty over the years. Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. And you enjoy them then? Yeah, it's like it's kind of like going to the opera. You know, you, mm. you kind of it, it's different. it's a grand spectacle. Yeah, it's different. It's different than a regular movie. Mm -hmm. it, it it's an evening's entertainment. So I think next time uh, we've probably got to talk about a real movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think just also something that doesn't feel like it's taking 10 years off my life. 
Um, you suggested perhaps uh, Eisenstein, which yeah, would be the interesting. Yeah, Battleship Potemkin. I have, I've only say. seen that movie once. Um, I would, I, yeah, I think I'd be very down for one of those kind of big silent epics. You know, actually, come to think of it, it's been a long time. I've been thinking about rewatching Metropolis. It's been a while. Mm. I don't actually think I've seen that new cut of it either. Really? No, the, the, com- the complete the one. The complete one, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. Um, so, okay, maybe let's watch something a little grander in scale and ambition next time uh and uh yeah. i mean it was nice to see a movie that reflected my views for a change <laughs> not not one of these uh like i know i know you're a fucking Hollywood. communist so you'll enjoy the next yeah I, my my politics as as listeners of the show will know basically came from michael moore so uh you and i are kind of uh opposed but i think that's why we have such chemistry well until next time uh watch this drive steven seagal is Mason Storm, a cop working undercover, until his cover was blown. Whoever that is, I don't want him to get an hour older. They thought they'd seen the last of him, but Mason Storm is hard to kill. Now, he's toast. Do you understand? The climate is right. We'll get him, buddy. For revenge. Every one of them. Think you better dial 911. Mason Storm is about to hit back. That wasn't the time. Now's the time. We are going to put an end. The violence, and you can take that to the bank. Steven Seagal is hard to kill. Take that to the bank.